What's up, everybody? This is Iron Mike Stedman. And as always, I want to thank you for tuning into my show, Dog Whistle Brandon. Today on DWB, Bill and I chop it up with my good friend and confidant, Gabriella Bell, founder of Organized Q, a growing team of military spouses and veterans dedicated to providing quality virtual executive assistance services to entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and small business owners. I'm a huge fan of Organized Q. Behind the scenes, Ironbound Media is powered by members of the Organized Q team. They are the first and only virtual assistant services I've worked with. I even had a short stint where Gabby was my personal VA for a while. On the show, the three of us talked through Organized Q's perfect customer and how Gabby plans to scale the brand. What's great about this episode is that Bill has experience working with a similar company called Belay, which already accomplished what Gabby's also trying to do. We talked through it together and Gabby's plan for bringing her vision to life. All right, Gunny, get them ready. Yo, saddle up, lock and load. You're listening to Dog Whistle Branding, brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media and the Lions Pride, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy and business coaching for veteran owned businesses to keep you in the fight and not face down in a rice paddy. I'm your host, Iron Mike Stedman, the godfather of Dog Whistle Branding, founder of Ironbound Media, and business coach at the Lions Pride. Before we jump into the show, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter at the link in the show notes, or visit our website, dogwhistlebranding.com, to stay up to date on all things DWB. All right, get out your pen and paper, and get ready to build a Dog Whistle brand. Saddle up, lock and load. Gabi, my friend, my confidant, welcome to Dog Whistle Brandon. Thank you so much, Mike. I'm so excited to be here. I have been uh, watching you from the, the sidelines build this uh, Dog Whistle Branding out, and I'm excited to be here today with, with you and Bill. Bill, she's lying. She has been watching from the sidelines. Gabriella <laughs> was the first virtual assistant I ever hired, the first company. Right. She also was my personal virtual assistant when I was figuring this space out. And she's been with me. Uh, I've been working with Organized Q as I scaled from zero uh, to, you know, what do we got now? I got like five people, I think, six contractors. Um, and they are like the oxygen for what I do. They're my team. So anytime I make a decision, I go to my team. And also that, Gabby, I want to tell you, I really appreciate you supporting my book, Black Better Entrepreneur. Um, Gabby was a VIP book person right off the bat. And I just want you to know how much I really appreciate it. And that empowered me to be like, I got to get this thing done and I need to get it out. And so I just want you on the show, one, to catch up, two, to chop it up with Bill, because there's so much value that I think the two of us bring for entrepreneurs that are navigating this entrepreneurial journey. There's a lot of bullshit out there. And we're like the anti-bullshit people. And I feed (laughs) off of Bill because Bill... He's just got so much more pattern recognition than I do. Um, and I just like talking through real, you know, real business problems and stuff people are, are having. Yeah. Yeah. And and talking in a, in a way that uh, isn't hocus pocus, pretend, sort of huff, huff and puff, uh, you know, hang a badge on our neck at a networking event, dress up really nice, and then not tell the truth. Right. And, and, and not that anybody's intentionally lying. Listen, I was there. You know, I had no revenue. I had two babies in the house. I had a plywood 
four by eight piece of plywood or four by six piece of plywood on concrete blocks. That was my desk and I had a two line phone and I didn't have crap. But go to a network event, nobody knew that because I wouldn't let them know that. And therefore I didn't get the help I needed for many years. So I just like people to be authentic and transparent. I always am. Sometimes I come across very, I don't know, grizzly bear offensive, but it's only with the intention to help. And, and being an entrepreneur, I mean, oh, this is, this is a very lonely place and it's a very hard place. So I think getting the most help is the wisest thing to do. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I fell into entrepreneurship. Um, I'm an educator by profession and uh, fell into it out of necessity of trying to figure out, you know, what am I going to do? What, how am I going to bring, bring uh, income in and be able to be here, you know, for my children? Um, and, you know, you just kind of figure it out, I think. But the other piece is when you're vulnerable and you're able to share like, the real kind of like nitty gritty of it, I think most people want to help, you know, and people can see, see through that yeah. and go, like, if you can um, bring yourself to ask for help, even if it's like, hey, I'm just having a hard day and I need five minutes just to like have somebody listen, um, that makes a right. difference. And then also being able to say, you know, what can I do to help you in return? Um, and I think, I think that's one of the reasons that, that Mike and I um, get along so well is that we, we can have some some hard discussions because it is like as you said being a, a founder um, is lonely and you'll have people in your life that you love and they love you back but they don't get it they don't get it and there's nothing wrong on their part they just don't get it so being able to find your um, community can, can support you in the wins and in the, the hard days has been really helpful Totally, Gabby. I uh, uh, when I, when I started my businesses, uh, it's now my ex-wife. But my my wife was just too stressed. You know, I promised her, you know, amazing wealth and fortune. You know, on this business, and we were on food stamps about two years later. Literally, going to the church to get a box of food and some shoes for my daughter. I mean, that's what I took my then wife to, right? So she was really stressed. My mother was like, oh, you can be anything you want to be. It's so nice. What, how do you spell entrepreneur? And my father was like, do not speak to me. You are so selfish. You had a great corporate job, benefits, college education for Lena and Mark. Those are my kids. Who do you think you are? You know, there was nobody to talk to. And it was a very lonely place. But what you just said, Gabi, that I want all our listeners to hear is that there literally can be, if you open yourself up to it, a community of people uh, that, that have been or are right where you are. Mm -hmm. And they literally do want to help if you'll pull the curtain back and be real. And then you'll have your chance to help somebody shortly thereafter because there'll be people coming in where you are today and you'll be ahead of them. It's a beautiful thing when you let it happen. It's too, it's too hard to go at it alone, man. I've been trying to tell people it's too hard. And, mm. you know, one of the things I'm curious to hear, learn from you, Bill, right? And I'm curious to hear your perspective too, Gabby. Gabby's in a space that is, there's a lot of demand for, right? Virtual assistance, executive support, et cetera. 
But at the same time, there's also a lot of noise in the space because there's so many different agencies, right? And I even think about when you talk about like military spouses that Gabriella goes after, there's multiple kind of agencies I personally know that kind of give the same messaging. So with your experience working with these kind of companies and stuff, how would you think, how do you think Gabby should approach differentiating herself in this crowded marketplace and also driving maximum value um, as well? Well, I think the latter comes when you address the former. The, the value comes when you uh, solve for the problem of who's my perfect customer, what's my category. And if anybody knows that space, uh, it's Mike. Um, we had Christopher Lockhead at our most recent tactical advance. We had goodness knows how many founder CEOs there, but, but Christopher was teaching the concept of category and inherent in that is the perfect customer, Gabi. This is super important for you. You must, Kabi, uh, when you introduced yourself to me a few minutes ago, you said, yeah, we service corporate executives and small business owners. And uh, you're right. You can service all them and they do need your services. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how hard is it to get them and what excites you the most? There's a big difference between Iron Mike Stedman, you know, running a million dollar business and I don't know, Bill Watkins, who's the senior executive VP of some Fortune 50 company. Correct. We have different needs. There's different channels to close the deal. There's different sales techniques. There's all sorts of different things and see what, and you can run out of money trying to service all those people. Mm-hmm. So I have my challenge to you, and you may already have this. I, I don't know, because you're friends with Mike is that you have a really crystal clear, as niche, as niche, as niche as you can make it on where you go to find your VAs, mm-hmm. your perfect VA, the profile, and then the profile of your perfect customer, the dog whistle, which Mike can talk to you about. Mm-hmm. Gabi, I'm not saying that you can't serve, I'm not saying you shouldn't service Fortune 50 executives, I'm not saying you shouldn't service small business owners with $1 million of revenue or less. I'm just saying, I think you got to choose at this stage of your revenue and your development, you must choose. Otherwise it gets too hard, too expensive and it's fraught with rabbit trails and rabbit holes. Yes, um, definitely. It's interesting because, you know, as we are, our team is constantly like reflecting on, you know, what is our, who is our perfect customer? Essentially, it comes down to it's a couple of things. It's like, one, are they assholes, right? Because that's who we don't want to work with, right? Are they nice people that we want to have a cup of coffee with? And can they pay for the service? And do they see this as an integral part of helping them get to where they want to go? You know, and trying to craft that in such a way to niche down. We're still we're still trying to like figure that out. Like what what industry is it one industry is it two industries that these these perfect customers or clients live within um you know and so it's this it's kind of a it's an experiment right it's an experiment on where we are and where we go what but i put gabby on some game before we went live bill right it doesn't have to be an experiment because you can have processes right Mm -hmm. like i was telling you having that initial engagement to screen clients Right. And saying Mm -hmm. like, hey, is this a good fit? Like if we can't get through this initial, I call it my brand probe, you call it whatever. If -hmm. it's a pain getting through that with someone, just let them go. You don't got (laughs) to move forward. 
versus right. having a process to screen against that. And here's what I know about you. Number one, right? I think there's a golden market around first-time VA hires, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone I send, they always call me. What's it like having a VA? There's all these questions, da-da-da. But then there's the other aspect of can they afford you, right? Mm -hmm. so they got to be first-time VA hires with the ability to afford you. And you also don't want them to run out of money. So you want to be in like a growth opportunity with them as well. So mm -hmm. where they're like, you're like the oxygen, you know, like I started mm -hmm. with one. Now I got two. Who knows where the future holds? But in my mind, that's just what I'm thinking about. And I've, I've had this conversation with God, but I feel like owning that first, make that first virtual assistant count. I think there's mm -hmm. an opportunity around there, but also understand the fear of like people canceling contracts and stuff. So finding that sweet spot of someone that is like, a serious entrepreneur that ain't gonna run out of money. Right. I, I'd make it even narrower, Gabby. Uh, it's just, that's a good whistle, but that's not a dog whistle yet. That's an animal whistle, okay? <laughs> because, because within that, within that bracket, my, everything that Mike and you just made, said made sense. It's not narrow enough. That's mm -hmm. not narrow enough. And so uh, choosing an industry, choosing an age group, perhaps, choosing, um, uh, I don't know, married maybe, mm -hmm. because they're married with kids, for example, could be a part of the dog whistle because they need to get home. Mm -hmm. If you're a young bachelor or bachelorette, you don't mind working until 10 o'clock at night and maybe you're not pressured enough to use your VA as much. And then you, you look at the credit card and you go, ah, I don't really need this VA. I can just work an extra hour. No right. big deal. But if you got somebody waiting for you at home, they're more motivated. And so, you know, you come up with this filtering process, which then creates your languaging. Mm -hmm. and then when you introduce yourself to Bill Watkins, you say certain things where I'm going like, wow, I can envision that human right this second. And I think that's where you want to get to, because then your marketing, if you're doing paid ads, for example, mm -hmm. on Google, now your ads start to get really narrow and they get cheaper. <laughs> right right and and maybe it's a b2c business because you've got social media ninjas who know how mm -hmm. to drive paid ads and they're going to need that from you because they're doing it themselves right now and they suck at it right so it could be like we want a b2c industry and we want a married woman mm -hmm. single mother i don't know mm -hmm. but i'm speaking to you gabby I, i'm literally probably saying the same thing that Mike's already said to you is that the magic, especially to this 300,000 to 500,000 to maybe a million dollar business is literally owning a category that is so narrow and specific that you're almost a competitor of one. It's mm -hmm. that, and it's that defined because every other one of your competitors is broad. Well, we do executives and corporate this and middle managers and UPS and small business owners and medium-sized business owners. We do men, we do women, we do, you know, we do everybody because it's a VA. Mm -hmm. One thing I was thinking about too was y'all couldn't hear it when we went um, before we recorded, but when Gavin introduced herself to Bill, she talked about organized Q and I tell people what he's talking about with languaging, when you read the language, can you associate it with this brand? So if you ask somebody, what do you do? And it's like, I do brand strategy for professional development. Like take Ironbound Media out. You can't tell that that's me. That can be mm -hmm. any other brand strategy, management, consultant, firm, whatever. And so what I encourage people to do is come up with a languaging where you see their lingo and you're like, dude, 
that's you, right? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing, too, is like, bro, there's too much vanilla out there. It's noisy. People getting hit up on LinkedIn all day, every day to show up with this generic kind of messaging, right? It's just a complete waste of time versus what Bill's talking about. Is that dog whistle? You hear it? Then even mm-hmm. if I'm not your client, it enables me to go get you more clients or make referrals um, on your behalf. Yeah. I have a quick question. Um, so let's say you decide, okay, this is the lane you're going to be in. This is your, your niche market um, that you're in, your ideal client. And then you get in there and six months, 12 months later, you're like, this is not where I want to be. You know, like what kind of flip floppiness does that convey to the outside? I think that probably for myself, but also for others, you know, for, for the listeners, you know, that that's a, that's a concern. You're like, well, if I pick this one, it's the wrong one. And I switch, like, what does that, what does that say to the outside? Mr. Watkins, I pass it to you. I have a couple of comments and I'll try and make them succinct. Number one, you're way more worried about it than you should be because really nobody's watching you, Gabby. Okay. They're too busy. Mm-hmm. They're so caught up in their world that your world and your branding, your dog whistle, like if you create, if you carve a dog whistle and then you get bored with dogs or you don't like dogs and you want cats, really nobody's going to know. Except all of a sudden, you're just going to be attracting fewer dogs and all of a sudden you're going to fill your lead list up with cats. Mm-hmm. No one really noticed. The cats are just going to go, wow, there's a whistle. And the dogs who now you're not blowing the whistle, they won't go, Hey, I wonder how come she's not blowing a dog whistle anymore. It's just not going to happen. Number two, there's a tool called the Ansoft matrix. It's mm-hmm. one of the, I, I didn't invent it. Ansoft did. Uh, Mike can share with you the template if you want. It is a constant and never-ending growth strategy to use the Ansoft matrix, existing new product on one side of the matrix, and then existing new market on the 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 other side. Mm-hmm. And you will always be using this in a dynamic way, sometimes more frequent than others. And this is how businesses grow and evolve. Now, you could continue to grow with dogs, Mm -hmm. but the reason for the Ansoft matrix is to look at, okay, we're done with dogs. We wanna have giraffes. We we hate dogs. We need something new. The Ansoft matrix is the way that you magically all of a sudden birth this new market. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'll say is this, Gabby, I want you every day, every minute, well, not every minute because life sometimes sucks, but when you look at your calendar, you look at your client list, you look at your appointments, your to-do list, I want you to be joyful at the people you're talking to. So you must manifest what you just said, no Mm a-holes. Whatever that is for you, you've got to live it. And my wife would have a hundred cats here and she would have zero dogs, okay? Mm-hmm. She would be energized to wake up every day and see that she's got to feed a hundred cats. And if she saw even one dog, which we did the other day, a, a stray dog wanted to come and be fed, you know? And she's like all up in her, my wife's hackles are up, get away from here, you know? That's the way you need to approach your perfect customer because you must love what you're doing. 
The way you do it is you speculate maybe, and you say dogs, change your mind, cats, birds, giraffes, mm -hmm. rhinos, I don't care. But over time, you're gonna hone that strategy mm -hmm. and that's gonna make you very joyful. I wanna pick up where Bill talked off, and I'm gonna go a little bit more granular. So one of the things I tell people is you need to develop what's called a positioning thesis. So this is an, this is an estimate of who your perfect customer is, your messaging, everything, okay? Now, this is what you're gonna do different than most entrepreneurs I was guilty of. You have a saying, real G's move in silence, right? So on LinkedIn and social media, you got all these people that are talking about what they're doing in entrepreneurship. They're doing this, they're doing that. They have no money in the bank account and they have no clients. What you do with this positioning thesis is you go generate revenue because what you're trying to do is you're trying to validate that, that this is the perfect customer and you update your messaging and then you get it right. And then once you get three to five, God willing, 10 clients around this position and thesis, you pour jet fuel on it. Then you go public. And now, mm -hmm. because you've validated it, you've got your messaging dialed in, you figured out the dog whistle. When you go public with it, it's night and day, right? So for mm -hmm. me, when I started Ironbound Media, I was all behind the scenes. So when I made the shift from podcasts like a platinum album to dog whistle branding, like Bill said, nobody was looking for it. And then by the time I popped up on the scene and said, hey, I do podcasts, I was already like, I already had $100,000 in revenue with this particular kind of clientele. So right. that's why I say like, yeah, it's a lot of guessing. Is it hard? But when you have frameworks, it makes the process so much easier. Getting that ants off matrix, you know, having a position and thesis document, going out testing and doing the work for early stage founders is sales. It's like, it's like mm -hmm. sales just saw so much stuff. It just, mm -hmm. it skips through all the bullshit. It lets you validate a bunch of things and it lets you get better at what you do, which is delivering value to clients. Yeah. Gabby, there's one more thing. Um, social media is not sales. I know people get confused with that. Um, uh, they hire $10,000 marketing agents who say, we're going to get you out there. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what it means, but it rarely translates to money. Uh, in the bank, it usually translates the money out of the bank account. Uh -huh. Here's what I want you to do. Do what Mike said. So use uh, Jim Collins's framework. We've got a worksheet for it at Lions Pride. Mike can share it with you called Bullets, Then Cannonballs. Uh -huh. Let's say you've got $300,000 run rate revenue, but you're unhappy with your clientele. You want a different clientele. You fire a bullet to your clientele. Maybe you want single mothers who live in urban America, who have a home-based business because they're busy with their children during the day, they're running a home-based business and they have a, a job, okay? So go get five of them. You can mm -hmm. find five, that's your bullet. And then work them and then see whether you like it. If you like that market, then load up a cannonball and go for it. And I think this is the process with the Ansoft matrix identifies, you know, what market, what product you want to offer. And then the concept J Jim Collins introduced, uh, bullet, uh, bullets, then cannonballs, is how do you start really small? You don't blow up your social media and all that. You just go sell one or two mm -hmm. or three. And then to what Mike did, he fired a bullet. He said, I want to do podcasts. And then he fired a bully, he got five or 10 clients. And when he went big, he already had revenue. He proved it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would want you to do, God. 
Yeah, and and I think in retrospect, you know, looking at our our history and where we're at, that's essentially you know what we have been doing. And I think you know being able to say like this journey, it's it's normal, right? We're we're all trying to to figure it out and you know shooting shooting a bullet to say, hey, is this going to is this going to be where I where I want to go? Um, I think being able to say, hey, it's normal, and like coming out of the gate. I don't think anybody gets it right the first time, you know, it's this, it's this um, really unique uh, play that happens and the dynamics and, and also figuring out like as a founder and the team that you've built, you know, is this the right, is this the right fit? Is like, like you said, you want to look at, you know, what you're doing, the value that you're bringing, but also does this bring you joy? You know, is this something that you want to be doing? Um, It's not always about, the bottom dollar matters. I mean, we're in business, you know. So, but also, like, what what's the saying? Uh, is is the juice worth the squeeze? You know. And I think a lot of people right now are contemplating that, whether that's starting a new entity, working for somebody else, helping somebody build their own business, um, and determining that. You know, one of the things that I do, um, I teach at NYU in their Veteran Future Lab, and you know, work with number of other entrepreneurs who are in that stage, other from ideation to growth and, and trying to determine, you know, the same questions. And I think what ends up, and we talked about this at the beginning, is being able to show that vulnerable piece of, you know, there's great days, but there's also some really hard days. And knowing that you can find a community who can go, yeah, this is normal. You're not like an island unto yourself, experiencing this. Um, by yourself, but it's definitely figuring out the the market, um, what that market analysis looks like, but also, you know, what makes sense, you know, and what's going to help you bring in revenue that is sustainable and where you can, where you can take it from there. So many entrepreneurs, Gabby, don't put a price, they put a price tag on a deal, they put a price tag on a product, a service, but they Mm -hmm. don't put a price on their joy. True. That's really the equation. When when you would win at work and lose everywhere else, especially inside you, at your soul level, at your happiness and joy level, you, you really have lost. Mm-hmm. And everyone understands that, you know, when I say that right now. Right now, all the listeners and Gabi are going, well, duh, Bill. But Gabi, I see it happen every day. And you know what? I was that person. The job that I left, that my father was so angry I left, sucked the life out of me. But boy, did I make a ton of money. And I had a great But the only good thing about that life was a fixed paycheck and the benefits. And when I left, I I don't regret one thing, except that I got a paycheck that I could count on. And then all of a sudden, I did. But um, I'm encouraging you, Gabby, to continue. You already are doing that. To seek your joy and, of course, monetize it. How <laughs> to raise those children, put them through school, and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I want to encourage all our listeners that this, what Gabi just said to you in the last five minutes, I hope you wrote down because this is what you need to hear if you're months, years behind her. There was wisdom right there. Thank you for sharing it. Of course. I, w- I want to say one more, one more thing, you know, people talk about work-life balance and we think of it more of like work-life integration, you know, and that yeah. it's not compartmentalized at all. It just, it meshes. And, um, and also I think it's important to say that 
sometimes people don't have the privilege to be able to say, I can walk away from the security of this paycheck or this particular like stability. Like some people don't have that option. And, no. but knowing like, okay, I want to get to a point where hopefully I can make that change and that jump so that I can feel joyous and I can be selective and go, I'm not going to work with that asshole because I don't, I, my bottom dollar does not require me to have to work with them, you know? So it's a, it's an interesting journey. And I think for, for those that are listening, like it, it is, it's hard, um, but it's worth it. Like if you really want it and you've got people who can support you and can give you a gut check as well. Like, are you sure you want to, you know, think $10,000 into this? Like, what are you going to get for that in the end, you know, and, and make some smart decisions. Before I pass it over to uh, Bill and you to close us out, I would want to make a comment about something you said, and this is going to be a fraggle. I'm going to do a whole episode on this. I call them fraggles, just a little short, little, you know, brain dumps. But one thing that entrepreneurs need to understand, too, is be honest with people early on. You know, Christopher Lockett has got this great podcast where he talks about a personal IPO and finding an auctioneer. An auctioneer is a client that is not investing where you are currently. He's investing in your potential. And one of the pain in the asses we end up with is when you're trying to promise something you can't deliver on, you know, so stuff is all jacked up. You don't got your invoice and software and they're expecting a professionally well-organized organization because that's what you sold them on versus like, hey, Bill, you know, you're my first client, super excited about it. I'm going to give you my best, you know, but there's a better kind of like you have room to grow versus mm -hmm. trying to come across as something you're not. And then you're on this hamster wheel trying to keep up with the Joneses. We don't even have the capabilities to do so in the first place. So I'm going to do a fraggle on that separately, but I just wanted to, I think that's something that's going to help a lot of our listeners. So Bill, I want you to close us out and I also want to pass it to Gabby to let people know how they can find her. <clears throat> well, Mike, you were, you were at the recent tactical dance out here at the ranch and we went through, uh, uh, making 2022 your milestone year by living a life without regret. Gabby, uh, Bronnie Ware wrote a book called The Five Regrets of the Dying. Bronnie is a hospice nurse, palliative nurse, and she's been with over 10,000 patients who've died. She wrote a book. And I'm quickly going to highlight just a couple of the regrets of the dying. There's only five. Okay. But one of them is I wish I'd had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. I wish I myself be happy. These are people who have lived a great life that are now at the end of life. And they probably did all we're doing. Many of them were probably entrepreneurs and parents and, and, and spouses and all that stuff. But Gabi, there they did a great life. And here they are wishing that they had lived a life truer to themselves and a happier life. Really? I think we need to learn, learn from them and live that life now. And in what you shared to our listeners is the magic in making difficult choices. Now, Gabby, sometimes you can't let the, an a-hole go right away because you need the revenue. Right. You commit to yourself that this shall not continue, that this shall pass. I hate my job. Then commit six months, a year, whatever you can do to make a change, whatever it is. And I think Gabi, in that, and entrepreneurship is part of that uh, journey, 
we, we begin to actualize this manifesto of being true to ourselves and allowing ourselves, matter of fact, setting ourselves up for the joy and the happiness that you're seeking uh, as an entrepreneur. So with that, I'll read you this quote by uh, Ben Herbster. He says, the greatest waste in the world is the difference between what we are and what we can become. And then I want you, Gabby, and, and I already see Mike becoming it. I want all our listeners to become all that they can become. So keep listening. Keep uh, connected to Gabby. She's going to tell you how. Go hire her. Come on. Quit doing all that crap that you're doing for yourself and subscribe to Mike's blog. Thank you so much. You know, I really appreciate it. I'm Gabby Bell, um, founder of Organize Q, and we provide virtual executive assistant services. You can find us at organizeq.com and at the same handle, Organize Q. I'm really excited to work with people that, you know, want to, to level up and organize the, the behind the scenes um, aspects of your business and your organization. Um, I do have one plug. So Mike, you're, you're a published author um, as well. Bill, I do you have a published book? Slacking. Slacking. Wow. I have the outline and I'm working on it uh, uh, each week. Well, I can't wait. With- I, I'm sure. Let, let us know. Um, I'm super excited. Um, so I've been invited to participate or, or write, um, be a contributing author for a book that will be published in January 2023 called Deserts to Mountaintops, which is an anthology of work from women who have experienced um tragedy or low, low points in their life and coming out of that. So um, working with um, uh, New York Times bestseller, Jessica Buchanan, who is, is the, the lead author on it, but super excited to, to share a bit of my story of falling into entrepreneurship and you know running this business as a single mom of four um, and making progress and really being dedicated to helping others that are looking for flexible remote work and then working with clients that want work-life integration. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna help you get there and um, you know, working together makes a lot of people happy. So thank you so much for, for having me um, today. I'm excited and I hope we can continue our conversation. Absolutely. Please send me that book. I'm purchasing a copy. For all our viewers, I'm telling you, I wholeheartedly endorse Gabby and Organize Q. Uh, if you need a virtual assistant, go to Organize Q. Please reach out to me, ask me questions, et cetera. I'm always sending people her way because I believe in what they do. And I also believe in Gabby and she's an amazing entrepreneur. So we appreciate you. I personally appreciate you as a friend, as a client, all of the above. For all our listeners, visit their website and also subscribe to our podcast for Dog Whistle Brandon at the link in the show notes. Until next time, peace, love, and have a great rest of your week. Dog Whistle Branding is brought to you by the team at Ironbound Media, where we provide no fluff and high impact brand strategy for veteran owned businesses. We believe that audio is the future of publishing, and we're committed to leading the movement for the veteran entrepreneurial community. You can learn more by visiting our website, ironboundmedia.com. This series is powered by the Lions Pride, a professional training and coaching company for badass founders. We serve mission-driven, high-performing small business owners with at-the-ready resources, battle-tested tools, and full-service support. We're proud to support veteran and other badass-owned businesses at every stage of growth. You can learn more and get more at thelionspride.com. Thank you.